You're listening to Audio Interference, produced by Interference Archive. Interference Archive is a social space, exhibition venue, and OpenStax archive of social movement material. Our work is rooted in the belief that our shared history should be held in common and accessible to all. On this episode, we have a guest host and producer from Montreal. Hi, this is uh, Stefan Christoph in Montreal. And uh, this is a guest contribution to Audio Interference, uh, the podcast of the Interference Archive. Stefan is a journalist, community organizer, and musician based in Montreal. He produced this episode to share a bit about essential workers in the distribution centers in Montreal organizing at the intersection of labor rights and immigrant rights. In Stefan's conversations, we'll hear from Mustafa, an organizer from the Immigrant Workers Center, and from Mohammed an organizer and supporter of the Status for All movement, organizing specifically with Ghanaian asylum seekers. But first, we'll hear a bit about Free City Radio, Stefan's weekly radio show on CKUT. So Free City Radio is, simply put, uh, first a community radio show. Uh, Generally, it explores the intersections of social movements and the arts and how community artists are part of those processes of grassroots organizing. The program's been going for a number of years at our community station here in Montreal, which is CKUT, 90.3 FM in this city in Montreal. It is a multilingual station, so there is programming in a variety of languages, including uh, Arabic language programming, Creole, Spanish, Portuguese, French, English, Korean, and another, another, a number of other languages. All right, and here's his segment. In Montreal, since the pandemic hit last spring, um, one year ago, things began to close. Um, but on the front lines, uh, a lot of important services and uh, essential sites did remain open. Uh, That included, of course, the distribution centers for essential shops. So pharmacies, uh, the dollar shops were declared essential, um, and of course, grocery stores. Um, A lot of the people working on those front lines in the distribution centers, also in the shops, but specifically I'm talking about the distribution centers, are non-status people and asylum seekers. The Immigrant Workers Center, which is based in the working class, largely immigrant uh, neighborhood here in Montreal called Côte de Neige, um, has been on uh, a mission since last spring to support uh, essential frontline workers uh, who are racialized, including many asylum seekers and non-status people. One of the sites that the Immigrant Workers Center has been supporting is the workers at the Dollarama Warehouse Distribution Center. So that's basically the North America-wide distribution center for the dollar shop called Dollarama. So we're talking about many, many hundreds of workers who are at this distribution center 24 hours a day. There's three shifts and it goes 24 hours. The Quebec government declared Dollarama an essential service. And given that many other businesses were closed, profits at Dollarama were rising throughout the spring and summer last year, but wages were not. 
And so there was a concerted effort, a campaign to push Dollarama to both boost the wages and also to respect uh, the health and safety of workers. Throughout uh, the first months of the pandemic, Dollarama was not providing personal protective equipment to the workers. So this is something that an ongoing campaign by the Immigrant Workers Centre has been addressing. And I thought it would be important to listen to some voices who are linked to this campaign, uh, voices who have interfered directly in this situation of injustice and worked hard to put a stop to it. We'll first hear um, a clip from a discussion I had with Mustafa Hanawi, uh, who is an organizer at the Immigrant Workers Centre, and give some context for um, an international audience on why this struggle of Dollarama workers and the struggle of workers at their warehouse centre in Montreal uh, is important. So here's Mustafa. So the issues that that these workers face, just to give a little context, so Dollarama is multinational corporation. It operates now in Latin America. It has part ownership by Bain Capital, which is uh, Mitt Romney's hedge fund. And it's a corporation that employs around 20,000 workers. Most of its operations in terms of its warehousing and distribution is similar to that of, let's say, Amazon or of Walmart, right? So this very hyper neoliberal version of just-in-time distribution of goods, right? So that means that a lot of these workers are temp workers in the distribution center. Almost 90% of them are. It is low wages, precarious. So meaning that uh, to be able to fulfill that, most of these workers are racialized. They're Haitian, uh, West African, you know, living and working under the most harsh conditions without basic health and safety equipment. They're non-unionized. They don't have access to their basic rights. Uh, Because they're temp workers, a lot of the time uh, they live in fear because they don't know if they're going to have the job the next day. So those were the conditions prior to the pandemic. And what happened during the pandemic as what we saw in Amazon and other large workplaces, they became sites of outbreaks as Dollarama in Quebec was declared uh, an essential service because it does sell food items. As a result, when you have a thousand people in a badly organized workplace, an employer that refuses to respect people's health and safety rights prior to the pandemic only becomes exasperated during the pandemic. And what we were fighting around and what workers were organizing around was essentially the right to not get sick, essentially the right to be able to live. And unfortunately, a lot of these workers knew that this was going to happen and that workers were going to test positive. These are large workplaces where the turnover is like 20 people a day, new workers, because the conditions are so bad. They weren't given proper health and safety equipment. They were not given masks or gloves. Uh, The equipment wasn't sanitized. Dollarama kept a policy of secrecy in terms of people who have tested positive. So workers on the site didn't even know if other workers had had it. Uh, They just know that workers were calling in sick, were not showing up. And many felt there was a racialized aspect to it, that many of the white Quebecois workers were staying at home, while many of the immigrant workers uh, uh, who are mostly black were still going into work. 
And so the Immigrant Workers Center, we've been working with these workers for a number of years, but the urgency came up during the pandemic because we knew there was going to be an outbreak. And we saw what happened in Amazon, where a number of warehouses and fulfillment centers, people had tested positive, and we were beginning to see the same thing, right? And and so uh, the Immigrant Workers Center, we worked with workers and organizers to actually to go out and flyer the workplace. And then we had workers call in to the Labor Standards Commission and also to the Department of Public Health. Here in Quebec. Here in Quebec yeah. to demand changes. Unfortunately, the minimum is actually really below maybe what workers would feel safe. So we said we're still going to fight and push around. We had workers speak up and organize a press conference where workers explained the horrible work conditions that they were facing, that they weren't being able to work two meters apart. When cleaners were called in sick, there was no replacement. There was no extra washing stations. There was no sanitization between shifts of the equipment and no gloves or masks. And through the pressure, we saw slowly beginning to change. So as of a week ago or two weeks ago, uh, Dollarama began providing uh, masks to all its workers and extra sanitization and disinfection of the equipment, especially because these workplaces, these warehouses are giant rooms with no ventilation, uh, where hundreds of people are just passing each other eight hours a day. And so many of the workers are still complaining that it doesn't go far enough. So that's one of the things we're beginning to work on is that to give a lot of these workers the right to stay home and also to either declare it as a non-essential service or to reduce the number of workers to make sure that it that it's safe. But ultimately, it goes down to other issues as well, where if workers don't feel that they have a permanent job, we know this is the case with two workers where someone had tested positive, but they had showed up to work because they were afraid they were going to lose their job if they just stayed at home. So that's kind of fear that workers are living in. Those are like the, the major issues that we're fighting around still to this, to this moment with workers and improving the, the conditions also in the different stores itself. That was a clip with Mustafa Hanawi, uh, who is an organizer at the Immigrant Workers Centre here in Montreal. Uh, that's an organization, a community group based in the Côte de Neige borough that is um, a very immigrant neighborhood in the city, a uh, working class neighborhood, and that's where the centre is based. The Immigrant Workers Centre has been doing frontline support for workers in essential services, racialized workers, uh, including non-status people and asylum seekers. So in the context of Dollarama, there's been the voices of many workers rising, particularly workers who are also asylum seekers and many who are from West Africa. Um, given the Francophone connection between West Africa and Quebec here in Canada and specifically the city of Montreal, there are a lot of asylum seekers uh, from Mali, Guinea, Burkina Faso, Côte d'Ivoire, and also some surrounding countries. Uh, there is a cultural connection between Montreal. The diasporas of all those places are significant here. But in the case of Guinea, um, there has been political instability over recent years. The current president, uh, who's named Alpha Kundi, actually changed the constitution last year to allow for the running of a third term. Uh, basically, he was changing the constitution to to hold on to power. In response, there was mass protests and a number of people were killed by police forces. 
this was covered and documented by both Human Rights Watch and Amnesty International. But like a lot of political developments in West Africa, there's not a lot of mainstream media coverage uh, within the mainstream news. Um, but back to Montreal, there are a lot of uh, asylum seekers from this region, from Guinea specifically, but also beyond who are undocumented in some cases. And these refugees are working. And many of them have been working at these distribution centers that the Immigrant Workers Center has been supporting, um, including the Dollarama Distribution Center that we're talking about here on this segment for audio interference. So I had the chance to speak with Mohamed Berry, uh, who is a former asylum seeker. He is now an accepted refugee in Canada uh, after battling for status for many years. But Mohammed also is a supporter of the Status for All movement. And that is basically a call for regularization, for amnesty for all non-status people as a way to address the ways that, in fact, people's rights are abused in the context of having no legal status in the context of work, but also beyond that. Mohammed has been organizing with other Ghanaian asylum seekers to address this reality. They have a committee this is a conversation we had that gives some context as to the struggle of asylum seekers and non-status people who are working in essential jobs within the context of the pandemic here on Audio Interference. I've been fighting for migrant rights, or especially asylum seekers, for a long time, more than five years now. So asylum seekers are, seekers are exploited, you know. They don't have the right what they're supposed to get. And they don't have access to proper training um, in different warehouses. They don't have the proper equipment. And they are paid minimum wage always, or sometimes uh, below the minimum wage, mm -hmm. which is uh, unfair. We have been seeing in the press a lot of criticisms of the Dollarama, which is a dollar store chain in Quebec and Canada, for the practices at their warehouse. But there's other stores that use similar warehouse distribution centers. I'm wondering if you could just talk about um, the fact that a lot of asylum seekers are employed in these warehouses, and also given that you worked in one, can you describe the environment? The describe how it looks. Um, Dollarama Festival, mm -hmm. they don't hire people. Uh, the employees, yeah. they hire them through the, the agency's placement, which, uh, which uh, make them always precarious. And it's overcrowded there. I don't know right now, but um, where I, when I was working there, it's overcrowded. Mm -hmm. the, the equipment is not, uh, as I said, they don't train the, the employees properly. Mm -hmm. And there's no air conditioner in, uh, in summer. It's really, really hot inside. A lot of dust, um, which is not good to for the health, and they take advantage of uh, people's status because a lot of uh, day employees are um, newcomers, asylum seekers, mm -hmm. or they are working on the ground. They, you know, so 
they cannot complain and they're yeah. taking advantage of that to exploit them. If without those people, they cannot, they those such a companies like Dollarama are gonna be closed. Mm-hmm. First, mm-hmm. But which is, uh, which is not good for the government. Not so they support the companies. Well, a lot of people, like, sorry, uh, just to go back on what you're saying. So a lot of people who are asylum seekers from West Africa specifically come here and are rejected. Yeah. Uh, but then they're li- still living in the city and need work. So these employment agencies that you described basically are um, then recruiting asylum seekers who are refused for their workplaces, correct? Yeah, it is. Yeah, okay. Yeah. They are refused because they still have uh, something, some options, but cause since they are waiting for their status, they cannot complain, they cannot claim any right. You know, they are scared. Even if they have right, they don't know their right. You know, and the companies take, ad- take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. Companies like Dollarama. Yeah, exactly. So in, in a lot of these placement agencies, there's a lot of workers from West Africa, from the Caribbean, from different parts in the world. Like these agencies are recruiting from refugee communities, from immigrant communities, correct? But these uh, agency placement, they always recruit the people which who are living uh, in precarious. They don't let them have an established job, always they play the game because if they, they know if the, the unemployed works for like 90 days at the same place, yeah. it's supposed to be hired. But yeah. if they, they play the game, if you work yeah. 85 or 80 days, then yeah. they say that there's no job anymore. So they send you back home for three days or five days. They send you back in order for you to lose uh, your right. So there's no permanent work then? No. And this is, this is basically like a series of contracts so that the company mm-hmm. doesn't have to take legal responsibility over the worker? Exactly. It's a way of avoiding to give them the right, but like insurance, health insurance, the collective insurance, and a lot of things, vacation, all these things they are losing. Um, and they... They still have them, you know. They don't have a uh, permanent. They will, ne- they will still uh, looking for a job, always <laughs> looking for a job. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll never be s- established. The workers? The workers will, won't be established. They know. won't be? Okay. Yeah, even if the company wants, uh, sometimes the company wants hiring, the agency said, no, you have to work six months at least for us in order to be hired by the company. Wow. So these placement agencies are sort of like middlemen. Yeah, they are coyotes. Coyotes. Okay. (laughs) So so you're from Guinea, from Conakry, um, and you've been talking about experiences that you're describing in workplaces uh, that a lot of refugees have been dealing with, but also you've been talking about the importance of refugees getting papers. Yeah. Um, so can you talk a bit about how, how is this connected? How is the, the rights of workers, and, and specifically refugee workers, their rights in the workplace, how is that connected to their rights for status, just for, for people who are listening? Um, actually, the, 
the right they exploited at the work they're contributing in every single step of the decrement the economic of this country they're con- contributing to the well-being of the society because yeah. if you see the pandemic the the self-isolation happened uh, the curfew happened because some people are outside doing the work. yeah they're doing the work mm-hmm. in order to others to get their food on table in there's that's why that's the a great contribution which is not neglectable that's yeah. yeah that's why they they must be <laughs> regularized mm-hmm. well let's talk about that you've been supporting you've been supporting the movement for status why is that important for you and how is it connected to worker rights um status is uh it's really important very very important for migrant for those who are in uh, living precarious because once precarious workers and once they have their status they have a right to study to have a decent work to have a decent training whatever they want to take so they won't be exploited they have right to claim their right but if they don't have status even if they have the right they they avoid claiming whenever they because they are scared it to impact the file yeah i understand so you're saying that workers are scared to ask for their rights because they don't have status yeah they they're scared it to impact the mm-hmm. file negatively they're scared to be rejected because of that so they're in in that case then they're working in warehouses. They're working in warehouses. They don't have the all they right. Even if they know, yeah. they cannot claim their right. Sure. Yeah. And in Montreal we're talking about thousands and thousands of people. A lot of people here, especially from Africa. Mm-hmm. A lot of people been working here for years, for 8 years, 10 years without status. So you have been organizing asylum seekers from Guinea specifically to demand status, mm-hmm. but also having known you a bit, I know that within this effort to ask for status for Ghanaians, you've been also talking about the rights of Ghanaian workers. The two are sort of connected. But can you talk about the Ghanaian campaign? Why did you start this? Uh, Started it is because it is very important, and a lot of people, a lot of Guinean people, um, are rejected, and they were uh, deporting. Canada, yeah. yeah, in Canada, uh, deporting in mass. A lot of people have been deported, whether we know or not, because uh, I I know only those who are members of uh, the committee. But a lot of people call me when they face deportation or they have a deportation order. Or they, when they are rejected, they call me to know what what is next because they call the lawyer, and the lawyer don't answer them or they don't call them back. They they go to the office. They say, no, you know, we doing uh, um, we working on the file, but actually they are not. So I think a lot of people they don't understand that there are many asylum seekers in Canada who are facing deportation, yeah. particularly from West Africa. Yes. In fact, I think it's the people they don't know because a lot of people, they don't show up to the demonstration or they don't, they don't know about the organizations, associations in Montreal. Um, that's why uh, 
they're scared to, to, to just to talk. They don't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Even uh, between Guineans, people like to hide it because <laughs> they're scared. You know, because a lot of people have been denounced, denounced with immigration by, like, by their friends. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, people without papers, somebody will call immigration and say, oh, there's a person without papers who lives at this place. Yeah, exactly. It's, they, they avoid that, you know. That's why they don't want to talk about their status. Um, their status. But you're, you're trying to convince asylum seekers to speak out and for non-status people to speak out in public and say together that they need status. Yeah, but for me, um, it's not a good idea not to talk about it because it's not the fact, uh, the fact of you talk about it that you're going to be rejected or you're, go- you're going to be deported. It depends yeah. on how you're working for your file or how the, what the agent is doing. As long as uh, they reject you, you, you can do it. Another option, always, yeah. You have something else to do. Got it. Yeah, you have to to speak out to get supported. If you don't speak, nobody knows what's going on. Yeah, and you will be the victim. <laughs> so instead, you're telling people to speak out. Exactly. For their working rights the, and for their rights as refugees. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you, Mohammed. You're welcome. was Mohamed Berry, uh, who is a Ghanaian community activist here in Montreal and Quebec in Canada, um, and has been leading the struggle of non-status Ghanaian asylum seekers for status, but also to address their work conditions, um, linking up with the Immigrant Workers Centre. I should note that there is um, a really great poster that has been designed uh, to support this struggle. Um, that is available through the Just Seeds Artist Cooperative. You can find that at justseeds.org, a sister organization to Interference Archive. Um, the poster is designed by Christine Francis. You can look it up. Uh, the proceeds go to the Ghanaian uh, uh, Asylum Seeker Group here in Montreal, which is the campaign Statut pour les Guinéens, Status for the Guinean. Um, So I wanted to uh, share with you this segment about a local issue happening in Montreal. I should note that both the campaign to support Dollarama warehouse workers and the Status for All movement has seen a plethora of designs, silk screens, wheat pasting in the city, uh, where uh, artists have made uh, uh, basically different designs and posted them up uh, in support of these struggles. Um, and uh, I've been one of those artists uh, posting up these um, these designs uh, in Montreal. Uh, I've collaborated with a number of different local artists. Um, so there is an intersection here between uh, the struggles of non-status people, uh, essential workers, the struggle for papers for regularization, and also an important role that local artists have been playing to project and support these struggles. So this has been a a guest segment from Free City Radio in Montreal. I'm the host of that show. It is both a community radio show broadcasting on Wednesdays here in the city at 90.3 FM in Montreal, uh, CKUT. But I also host my own podcast, which is called Free City Radio. You can find it through uh, Apple Podcasts and other platforms. So I'm Stefan Christoph in Montreal. It's been a pleasure to contribute this segment to Audio Interference and uh, take it easy.